You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good evening, everyone. I hope you all uh, survived Festivus yesterday. Did everyone survive? Yes? No? Um, Merry Christmas. Having the chance to meet you. My name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here. And we're just honored to have you uh, worship and join us tonight for this special Christmas Eve. Uh, before we jump into to just a few moments f- to God's Word, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, man, you look good. This is the best we're going to look. Now turn to the person on the other side and say, you're not as good, as, good looking as them. Hopefully, hopefully for the sake of presence tomorrow, you pick the right side this time. Well, it's great to have you with us uh, tonight. We're just so honored to, uh, to, to, to have you join us. And uh, if, if you don't know this about me, one of the things that uh, is, is a big part of who I am is I'm a very nostalgic person. I love reminiscing. I love going back to where I grew up in La Trobe and went to Derry. Uh, go Trojans. Thank you, Scott. He went to La Trobe. They're just not as good as Derry sometimes. But, um, but I love, I'm, I'm a nostalgic because I love reflecting back on my childhood. Maybe you're like that, maybe not. But uh, one of the ways that uh, I like to look back on my childhood are the cartoons that I enjoyed as a kid. Maybe some of you love looking and watching some of those old cartoons. I loved uh, cartoons like Animaniacs. Anyone fans of Animaniacs? or DuckTales, or there was this really obscure cartoon that was on USA Network called Pro Stars, and it was Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Wayne Gretzky as superheroes. Really weird, but I loved it because it was like sports, which I loved. And and one of my favorites were the Peanuts cartoons. Uh, You can't go wrong with Snoopy, right? I loved Snoopy. Charlie Brown is the best. We all have a love-hate relationship with Lucy. Sometimes she's great, sometimes not so good. And then you have Linus. Linus. Who doesn't love Linus? Linus was the quiet kid, always had his blanket with him, uh, didn't have much to say, but was always around. And Linus uh, never really said much like Lucy, but Linus has one of the more famous lines in A Charlie Brown Christmas, the, the best, one of the best Charlie Brown movies there are. In fact, we have a quick clip uh, of this, this one scene where Linus steps up and shares his one famous line. So if you can turn your attention to the screens. <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, 
and honor is peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Now, something interesting about that one clip, that's one of the few times Linus actually puts his blanket down in the Peanuts cartoons. But Charles Schultz, who is the genius behind the, the Peanuts cartoons, did a masterful job at the characteristics and the qualities of each of his characters. Uh, he, he, as he wrote the, the cartoon, he worked in qualities that really we can all relate to. Like Snoopy loved to just lay around and have fun. Uh, Charlie Brown was always worrying about something. Lucy always had something to say and just wanted to be heard. Linus loved to hold on to things that kept him uh, secure and made him feel secure. And, and if we were to be honest tonight, we all could see ourselves in, in, in each of these characters. You know, there, there are times that we just want to have some fun. And, and there are times, uh, there are many things that people probably don't even realize that we worry about all the time. And even for the introverts among us, sometimes we do just want to be heard, like Lucy. And, and for Linus, there are things, as much as we like to be independent and self-sufficient, there are things that we hold on to that bring us security and peace. And, and that last one, especially, is true during the Christmas season. There, there, are, there are people, memories, and traditions that we hold on to a little closer at Christmas. We hold on to to the, the, them with the hope of peace, tranquility in our lives. And, and for many of us, it works. We, we, we enjoy this season. This is a wonderful time of the year, and we get to reminisce, and we get to go through the traditions and, and, and experience a wonderful time. For others of us, though, the things that we hold on to bring pain instead of peace or stress instead of security. For, uh, for, for those of us uh, that maybe find themselves in that, that place the most wonderful time of the year is oftentimes the most difficult time. And it's difficult because Christmas never quite seems to come together the way we hope. Maybe, maybe you lost a loved one and this season reminds you of that one that's no longer there. Or, or, or maybe Christmas reminds you again of the seemingly unreachable dream you have to maybe find that spouse or for you and your spouse to have a child. Or, or this time of the year can even bring to light once again the struggles you've had financially this year or, or in your career, in your job. And, and, and this becomes difficult because we all have these expectations or, or hopes that we hold on to, just like Linus holding on to that blanket. And, and, and when we reach Christmas and those expectations aren't met, it feels like God is ripping the blanket out of our hands, ruining the security and peace we thought we'd have if we could just have those things in our lives. And, and just in a few brief moments we have together, I want to share this simple idea from the Christmas story. That what we hold on to affects what we can ultimately walk through. What we hold on to affects what we can walk through. When we expect anything that can be taken from us to bring us peace, we ultimately are setting ourselves up for a disastrous, devastating pain. Whether that's defining our identity on our job, our bank account, the car we drive, those things can bring momentary peace but not lasting security. And not to be uh, too much of a downer tonight, it's Christmas Eve, but a month ago, yesterday, I lost my father. Uh, suddenly, he was 63 years old. He, it, was, it was difficult, painful, unthinkable. He was my hero. He was a pastor and such an example and model for me. 
He was such a huge influence in my life. And over this past month, I've asked a lot of questions. Questions about myself, questions about God. And my family's walked through Thanksgiving, his birthday, and now we're preparing to celebrate Christmas for the first time without him. And one of the big questions I've asked of God is where is he in these moments? Like when that blanket's seemingly stolen from my hands, where's God? In the midst of the most painful moments, ultimately where, where is God? And I think it's a valid question. And in this special Christmas service, I want to briefly take you on the journey that maybe I've been walking through over this past month of how to reconcile my own experience with the reality of what the Christmas story is all about. In, in the church, we often sing songs, we talk about this idea that God is for us. Uh, like, like when things aren't going well, when life is difficult, don't worry because God ultimately is for us. And, and we quote verses like what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8.31, where, where he writes, if God is for us, who can stand against us? And, and, and those types of questions and verses and statements, they, they bring a boldness and confidence. They, they evoke this, this, this confidence in who God is. And the idea that God is with us brings us peace. Because we know God's for us ultimately. The problem is what happens when we think God is for us and things still don't work out. What happens when you're walking into the Christmas season and things aren't going the way you thought they would and you're reminded every Christmas of a moment maybe where things didn't happen the way you hoped they would or the way you expected? What happens when that blanket is unexpectedly taken from your hands? How do you respond in those moments? What do you do then? This is, this is what I've tried to process myself and it's a really difficult question to process. And, and here's the problem I've struggled with surrounding these questions, maybe similar to you. I've often held on to this unspoken premise that when God is for us, our plans will succeed just, as the way, just in the way we hoped they would. That if God is on our side, then we'll always win, never lose. After all, God wants the best for us, right? If God is for us, then nothing can stop us. If God is for us, we'll always have the blanket we want. Everything will always work out. Life will be great. And then something happens. We hit this brick wall. Life slaps us across the face. And we start questioning the one that's supposed to ultimately be for us. And we're like, what's the deal? Maybe you've been there before. Maybe life has beaten you up a little bit. and You've started to question the one that is for us. But here's the conclusion I'm starting to come to on this, this idea. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe I'm holding on to the wrong blanket. Like, like maybe I'm expecting all the stuff I'm holding on to to become a reality simply because God is magically for me. As if God, having God on my side is a free pass to anything and everything I want or desire. But, but, but then I read the story of Jesus. And when I read the story of Jesus in this book we call the Bible, he's referred to as a man of sorrows. He was beaten by those in authority. He was abandoned by his closest friends. He experienced incredible pain. In fact, in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says that in this world, we will face trouble too. So how do we reconcile all of this? And I realized I was missing an important part of who Jesus really is and ultimately what Christmas is all about. You see, God isn't just for us. The, the God that we talk about, the, the God we read about in Scripture, we sang about, he's not just for us. He's actually with us. 
That's an entirely different level of commitment and interaction. Like, like, it's one thing to tell someone that you know that's going through a difficult time, oh man, I know it's tough, but man, I, I'm, I'm pulling for you. It's going to work out, okay? It's, it's completely different to, to say to that person, whatever you need, I'm, I'm here for you. I'll go with you to the chemo treatments. I'll go with you to the court case. Whatever you need, I'm, I'm here for you. That's an entirely different level of commitment, isn't it? See, see God... God's been where we've been. He's experienced pain and sorrow. And in in fact, we see this very thing illustrated in the Christmas story. In in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, Luke does this amazing job providing detail to this story that, that, that maybe the other gospel writers didn't. And here's what he says, starting in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. He he writes, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, if you were to ask Joseph... This was about as far from how he envisioned this whole thing playing out as he could expect. Not only did his betrothed wife, the the woman he was pledged to be married to, not only did she get pregnant before they got married, he knew it wasn't his kid. On top of that, near the end of, of her pregnancy, Joseph and Mary are now required by law to travel from Nazareth where they lived to Bethlehem. Now that's a 90 mile trip. If, if any of you have been pregnant before, you know someone's been pregnant, they're nine months pregnant. 90 miles today, that's like an hour and a half drive in the car. That would not be a nice drive. That'd be a rough drive, that hour and a half. Now, in the first century, they didn't have cars. So that 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem would have been traveled on foot or at best or maybe worst on donkey okay so imagine Mary nine months pregnant traveling 90 miles it would have taken them up to a week to make that trip she's ready to to have that baby at any moment she's ready to pop and they have to walk 90 miles over the span of a week insane Insane. This is the point that most people ask, what really, really, what good is it if God is for us? Look what I have to do. I have to walk 90 miles. Are you kidding me? God, you're the one that put this baby in here. And now I'm stuck. I'm stuck walking 90 miles. But, but when the angel appeared to Joseph to tell Mary, to, to tell him that Mary was going to give birth to a son, the angel told Joseph the name they were to give that child. And he told him what it meant. And when he told him that name, he told it, he didn't tell him that the name they were to give this child was to to mean God is for us. The name that that he told him didn't didn't mean don't worry, just be happy. The name that the angel gave Joseph was the name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That God is with us. You see, I often get stuck on this. Maybe you do too. This this idea that God is for us. And if he is, why aren't things going my way? Why aren't things working out the way I'd hoped? But God isn't just for us. 
God isn't a genie in the bottle that grants us all of our wishes and it all works out. You see, God isn't just for us. He's actually with us. What what that means is that God meets us in our mess. That, That he meets us in our pain and our sorrow and all of our dysfunction. He doesn't promise us an easy life, a life free of pain or difficulty, because that's not what he experienced on earth. But what he has promised us is a life that doesn't have to be absent of his presence or his participation. And we're often holding on to all that we want or desire, and he's just asking us to put that blanket down and to pick up the one that will ultimately satisfy our deepest human desires. The the one thing, the one thing that will fill the void in our lives we try so often to fill with everything else. That one thing isn't another job or a title or, or something we can buy or accumulate. That one thing is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Jesus. And as the worship team comes in one of the most famous verses in Scripture, a passage that's repeated thousands of times at funerals, King David makes this amazing statement. It's found in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1 through 4. Here's what he said. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And and, and you stop there, that's really good. Man, God's for me. He's, He's doing good things. He's my shepherd. He provides things for me. He gives me peace, calm. Then you get to verse 4, and things kind of fall off the, 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 the tracks here. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, wait a minute, if God's for me, what in the world? How am I walking through this darkest valley? But David goes on, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David was one of the greatest warrior kings in Israel's history. And if anyone knew the importance of knowing who's for you, it was David. But, but as he writes this in Psalm 23, he takes it to another level. He understood it's important to know who's for you, but it's even more important to know who's with you. Because who's for you is just really knowledge. Like, I know that person supports me. But who's with you is experience. I know the person's right next to me. God isn't just for you. He is for you, but he's not just for you. He's with you walking through the dark valleys with you. See, we can often have this understanding that God is simply for us. We have that knowledge. But God wants you to experience him, to know that he is ultimately with you. The fact that God is with us allows us to hold on to him. Not dreams, hopes, or desires that may or may not become a reality, but ultimately to him. Because what we hold on to affects what we walk through. There are things that we're going to face. What we hold on to affects what we can walk through. And this Christmas, as we reflect on the blessings we have, think about the things we don't have, remember that there is a God that is not just for us. He's with us. As you prepare to step into a new year and a new decade in, in a little over a week, you're going to face trials, obstacles, unforeseen circumstances that could rock the foundation of your life. Remember, what you hold on to affects what you could walk through. We could hold on to this truth that that the God that is with us will see us through. He, He will not leave us or forsake us, but as long as we are willing to invite him into our mess, 
He'll be right there in the midst of it, allowing the light that he is to pierce the darkness of our lives and our circumstances. And over the next three months, our hope for you, for, for us as a church family, is to help you see change and transformation happen. We step into New Year's and we always do these New Year's resolutions and we set these goals and we, we, we wanted to see all this change in our lives. And, and so often for most people, they never see it. They don't even make it past February or March. Our hope this new year is to see breakthrough in your life. Things that you've prayed for, hoped for, tried for, to see those happen. Because our desire as a church isn't to be some checkbox on your church card. That you can just come to church and check that box and go home. Now we want to see genuine change take place in your life. Because that's God's hope for you. That, that we want whatever, whatever life throws your way, that you could face it with confidence and boldness and strength. That doesn't happen by holding on to the blanket of your dreams and hopes a little tighter. It happens by holding on to the one who ultimately holds the world in his hands. Because what we hold on to affects what we can walk through. And tonight, in a few moments, we're going to light some candles and sing Silent Night. It's going to be a beautiful time. Before we do that, though, you might be here on this Christmas Eve service, and you might say, you know, Nick, I've, I've held on to a lot of things. I've held on to so many things, and, and so often they've let me down. I've, I've put all my eggs in a basket, and my career, and, and my boss has messed me up. I've, I've put all my eggs in relationships and those things have fallen apart. I've tried so hard to fill the void in my life by holding on to certain things. And I've realized they always fall short. And I want to give you the opportunity tonight to hold on to the one that's promised to be with us. His name is Jesus. This isn't about religion. This isn't about church. This is about welcoming the God that loves you and created you into your mess, into your life, into your situation. Would you bow your heads with me this, this evening? Dear Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for incredible opportunity to celebrate your birth and all that represented. God, I pray for those that are here tonight as we've come to worship you and to, to celebrate Christmas. I pray, Lord, that maybe you've been speaking to them and maybe there have been difficulties that they've walked through or uncertain times and they've tried so hard to make it on their own that tonight could be the first night that they invite you, invite you into their situation, their mess, their life. I pray you would speak to them tonight. As you're continuing to pray, if you're here, you'd say, Nick, I've never taken that step to, to invite Jesus into my life, into my situation, to my experience. I've, I've never experienced his forgiveness, that my past could be forgiven and to, to live according to his plan and purpose for my life. If you've never taken that step, in a minute, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven if you want to take that step tonight. This isn't about joining a church. This is an act of your will to say, just between you and God, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I want to invite you into my life to see what you can do with my future. If that's you this evening, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven tonight? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. And I'm asking everyone to pray this prayer with me together. Whether you raised your hand or not, I just want to pray this prayer. And prayer is nothing more than a conversation with God. And I just want to lead you in this conversation. My hope is this is the first of many conversations you have with God. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me just as I am. I invite you into my life. 
I accept your forgiveness for my past. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this evening? We're going to sing Silent Night and begin to light the candles. My hope for you is that if you can invite God into your mess, if you can invite God into your life and recognize the God that is with you, that you could take that to the world outside these walls, that you could bring Jesus to people who are hurting and broken. Let's sing this song together as we light our candles. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.